The Lord called me to be a preacher out of a Sam's Club parking lot. Now, I know that's not the sexiest story in the world. I wasn't in an opium den or a prison gang, but it's all I've got. I had actually, years before, had an ordained friend of mine tell me that I should consider preaching, being an ordained minister when I was still in college, and I just thought the guy was Looney Tunes. I mean, I'm, I'm a shy guy, I've got this speech impediment, I just thought that standing up in front of a group of people and speaking to them was ridiculous. And as you can see, it is. But every so often, after I graduated from college, and you're, you're sort of in that phase of trying to figure out what it is you want to do with the rest of your life, this friend's words would come through my head again. You should think about the ordained ministry. You should be a preacher. And just as quickly as they came, in, in, came into my head, I pushed them out just as fast. But then I found myself after a, a fallow season working at a Sam's Club, which is the sort of Walmart version of Costco, sort of designed to compete with Costco. I had been unemployed long enough that I had promised myself to accept the first job I was offered, no matter what it was. And I had applications out all over town, and the first job I was offered was there, at Sam's Club, keeping the parking lot free of carts. You've seen these poor people, although nowadays they have those like machines, they're like a little tank that pushes the carts. Back in my day, this was the only machine that we had. Long lines of carts, manpower was all that we had. And so I'm there in the parking lot, of Sam's Club. This is Tucson, Arizona, July, so it's 107 degrees-ish. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life, but this isn't it. (laughs) And I had always heard sort of from friends and guidance counselors that you should have a job that you're passionate about, right? Something you can see yourself doing for the next 60 years. And I stood there in the 107 degree heat on the concrete in Tucson at Sam's Club thinking, was there a thing that I could do for my entire life? And I wasn't coming up with anything. Not a single thing. And so I started actually to feel angry. Like, do I have no passion in my life? Is there nothing that I could do that would make me happy, that would fulfill me? And all of a sudden, this friend's words, came back into my head one more time. You should think about the ordained ministry. You should be a preacher. And all of a sudden, it wasn't the actual voice of God, but it packed the same kind of wallop. I literally was stopped in my tracks, pushing the carts, and I thought, oh my God. This thing that is the most horrifying thing in the world that I could ever imagine myself doing is actually also the only thing that will ever be able to fulfill me. The most terrifying thing is also the most necessary thing. So after God called me to be a preacher out of the Sam's Club parking lot, you might think that I sort of jumped on the horse and went straight to seminary, but you'd be wrong. I started working the morning shift in the Sam's Club cash office. I did get a promotion, but not straight to the mountaintop of seminary, right? Just inside the store. And believe me, coming from the 107-degree blacktop heat of Tucson, Arizona into the air-conditioned cash office was 
akin to going from hell to heaven. I was, I was very grateful. I was one of the things that you have to do when you work the morning shift, the sort of opening shift at a Sam's Club. You're there before the store even opens, and right before the store opens, there is a morning meeting. Every single morning, every Walmart, every Sam's Club, all over the world, every day. The thing to know about Sam's Club and Walmart, and probably all of these huge stores, is that everything is systematized, right? There is a manual. It's actually called, it's a big blue folder. It says Sam's Club Operations Manual. If you can read, you can run a Sam's Club. Just follow the manual. And one of the things in the manual is this morning meeting. So every morning, just before the store opened, every employee who was there would gather in the center of the store, and the manager would talk about the goals for the day, how he wanted to improve customer service, and then, I'm not making this up, he would lead us in the Sam's Club cheer. This is a real thing. I'm, I'm revealing to you the deep, dark secrets of Sam's Club and Walmart now, so if I'm not here next week, it's because Sam Walton's minions have come and spirited me away, so you're my witnesses. But at great personal risk to me and to my personal safety, here is the Sam's Club cheer. Give me an S. Yes. Give me an A. Yes. Give me an M. Yes. Give me an Ugh. <laughs> Give me an S. What's that spell? Sam's. Who's number one? The member. What does the sign say? The sign says you got to have a membership card to get inside. <laughs> Seriously, that's the cheer. Every morning, every day, at every Sam's Club, everybody sings a line from a five-man electrical band song. Signs, signs, everywhere sign. The sign says you got to have a membership card to get inside. And that song from 1971 is all about a guy who goes around reacting to the various signs that he sees in his life. The, the sign said, long-haired, freaky people need not apply. So I tucked my hair up under my hat and I went in to ask him why. He said, you look like a fine, upstanding young man. I think you'll do. So I took off my hat and said, imagine that, huh, me working for you. Really sticking it to the man, this five-man electrical man. You know, the song, you know the song I mean, right? Now, the theological word for what's going on in this song is the law. This is a word you're all very familiar with. There are signs all throughout this man's life telling him what he can and what he can't do. As he goes on his walkabout, he sees these signs. Long-haired, freaky people need not apply. Or anybody caught trespassing will be shot on sight. Or you have to have a shirt and tie to get a seat. And of course, you've got to have a membership card to get inside. The signs are communicating the rules. Therefore, they communicate judgment, right? You're not good enough, you're not trustworthy enough, you're not rich enough, you're not part of the club, long-haired, freaky people need not apply. And when you feel like you're hearing those sorts of things in your life, when you feel judged, when you feel excluded, you know that the law is at play. 
And notice how the guy in the song reacts to the signs he sees, reacts to the law. When he's told that long-haired, freaky people need not apply, he tucks up his hair under his hat and goes in and applies anyway. Does he obey the sign? Of course not. When he reads that if he trespasses, he'll be shot on sight, he goes and asks the landowner, presumably trespassing while he does so, what gives him the right? And so we see, as we know clearly, that the law inspires the opposite of its intended reaction. Scripture says that the law was given to increase the trespass, to make us sin more. And the classic proof of this is a child's desire for a cookie, which is only magnified when he's told he's not allowed to have one. We want no fruit more passionately than the forbidden kind. And we adults think that if we're just clear about the rules, then if we make our, sure our kids understand them, then they'll follow. If they just know that they're not allowed to have a cookie, they'll obey. When Will Ferrell tried out for Saturday Night Live when he auditioned, one of the little sort of one-man skits he did as his audition involved um, him uh, flipping hamburgers. So I'm going to sort of, this is risky. I'm doing Will Ferrell for you now. This is Will Ferrell's audition skit for Saturday Night Live. Imagine me at a grill and I'm flipping hamburgers. Oh, hey, Tolian. Hey, Kim. Welcome. Welcome. Hold on. Hey, kids. Stop playing on the shed, okay? It's not safe. So glad you could make it tonight. Hope you brought your appetites. Guys, come on, I said stop playing on the shed. Yeah, we've had a busy week. Games, recitals, the whole deal. Get off the shed, now. How are things at the church? Oh, really? That sounds great. Off the shed, right now, off the shed. Oh, you moved? How's the new place? Oh, wow, those colors sound like they really work well. Off the shed! Off the shed! Off the shed! This is how we parent our children. <laughs> this is my life. This is my daily life. In my house, it's not off the shed. It's stop strangling each other. And I think that if I just sort of get down on my knees, you know, face to face, eye to eye, and speak really clearly, they'll understand. And I say, do you understand me? Do not choke your little brother. And they look right back in my eyes and they say, yes, I understand you, but I don't care. Being told we're not allowed to do something just makes us do it all the more. So the last line of the Sam's Club cheer reminds us of the way the world works. The sign says you've got to have a membership card to get inside. Signs, signs, everywhere signs, telling us what to do, what not to do, making us want to do the exact Opposite. And this line about membership cards also illuminates one of the worst fears we have about God. That some kind of club exists and that we're not part of it. You've got to have a membership card to get inside. This is a killer. 
This is what drives Christine crazy, right, in the Stephen Stephen King novel. She goes to the prom thinking that she's finally one of the popular kids, and when it turns out that the joke is on her, all hell breaks loose, literally. Carrie, Christine is the car. Peanut gallery is right for once. (laughs) Now that I've ruined the entire sermon with that Christine Carey error. We Christians deal with all the normal membership card stuff that the rest of the world does. The cool table at lunch, the preferred team during the game, the fun parties to be invited to, but we add one more, God's special club. Are we in it? What do we have to do to get in, to stay in? Could we ever do something to get thrown out? What if this? What if that? So-and-so, two pews in front of me, seems so spiritual. They're, they're always raising their hands and really worshiping. Am I as close to God as she is? This concern that God's got an inner circle, that God's got a club, and that you've got to have a membership card to get inside is what Jesus is talking about in his parable of the sheep pasture. Jesus tells this story to the people who are following him. He says that no shepherd climbs over the fence of the sheep pasture. A shepherd always comes through the gate. Anyone who's climbing over the fence, he said, is probably a thief. But he says it's okay in the end because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. They're not going to follow a thief because they don't recognize his voice. They know who to follow because they know him. Now Jesus tells this story, but it says that the People listening didn't understand. So Jesus clarifies. And his clarification is a total surprise. I bet each one of you was surprised when Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I almost feel like I should correct him. One of those sheepish students, get it? Sheepish? raising their hands and saying, um, Jesus, I, th- I think you meant to say that, that you were the shepherd. Be honest, when I was reading the passage and Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, every single one of you thought that was Jesus unless you actually read your Bible. Okay, finally we thought to ourselves a parable that's easy to understand. Jesus is the shepherd. I thought that too. He probably maybe even sneered a little bit at the people in the story who didn't understand it. It's so obvious, we think. Fools, how could they not understand such a simple parable? But we were the same way. We didn't quite get it either. Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come out and go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is doing something pretty radical here. 
by not being the shepherd in the story, he's downplaying his role as leader and playing up his role as savior. Now, he is leader and he's shepherd in many parables, but in this one, he is downplaying his role as the leader of the sheep and playing up his role as their savior. And we are so conditioned to think about Jesus as our leader that we hear things like, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, and we think immediately of following Jesus. What would Jesus do in all that? Being an obedient sheep, following the shepherd closely. We think of rules. We think of laws. We think of signs. And all too often, we forget that Jesus' primary role, the one he kept reminding people of time and time again, was that of Savior. He's the way in. He's the gate. Jesus didn't come merely, as we all sang in the 90s, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. He didn't come merely to show the way. He came to be the way. He's not merely the shepherd leading the sheep. He's the gate letting us go in and out to find pasture. Now, see, we like signs because we think we like to be told what to do. It's comforting to see a sign, right? It sort of lets you know what's going on, what's allowed. Is the store open? What do they sell? Who can go in? But the thing about a sign, and this is the thing to remember, the thing about a sign is that a sign is actually always saying two things. A sign that says members only is saying yes to members, but no to non-members. A sign that says long-haired freaky people need not apply is saying yes to preppies and no to hippies. Even a sign as simple as open nine to five is also saying closed five to nine. Now the five-man electrical band sings signs and finishes the song with the description of one last sign. And the sign said, everybody welcome. Come in, kneel down and pray. But when they passed around the plate at the end of it all, I didn't have a penny to pay. So I got me a pen and a paper, and I made my own little sign. I said, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. I'm alive and doing fine. (laughs) Could a song be any more 1971 than that? I'm alive and doing fine. The church is a place of gospel rather than law, the place of forgiveness rather than judgment, the place of support rather than critique, the place of what has Jesus done rather than what would Jesus do. When Jesus says he's the gate, he's promising more than just a way in. He says, whoever enters by me will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. The gate is standing wide open. The sheep come in, they go out, they find pasture. So no worries about getting in. No worries 
about staying in, the gate, Jesus' gate, is just standing open. A sign always says two things. And if Jesus is primarily the shepherd leading his sheep, he would be saying yes to those who obediently follow him and no to those who don't. But a Jesus who says, I am the gate. Well, St. Paul describes this Jesus in his second letter to the Corinthians when he says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, by us, by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are always yes in Christ. Jesus doesn't say two things like every other sign in your life. Jesus always says one thing, and it is always yes. Jesus is the gate of the gospel, and his sign always says welcome. His answer is always yes, and he promises that through him we will have life and have it abundantly. What's that spell? Sam's. Who's number one? The member. What does the sign say? The sign says you got to have a membership card to get inside. Who's number one at Sam's Club? The member. Who's number one for Jesus? You. Amen. Amen.